Coming up on this episode of the uh, Cougar Insiders podcast, we're going to break down this bowl game, the importance of it. Is this really where BYU should go or expect to go? We're going to talk about BYU basketball. What in the world is going on with BYU basketball? We'll also talk a little bit about the BYU volleyball team and how uh, they are taking on a challenge for a national title and doing very, very well without McKenna Miller. That and more on this edition of the Cougar Insider podcast. Hey, welcome to the Cougar Insider Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon, a columnist for the Deseret News, along with beat writers Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney. We're coming to you from Thanksgiving Point, and we're talking BYU sports. This podcast is brought to you by the Salt Lake Stallions. He's one of our sponsors, and we appreciate him. Brandon? What if football didn't have to end? This February, it doesn't. The Salt Lake Stallions of the Alliance of American Football begin their inaugural season. Real professional football at Rice-Eccles Stadium. See some former Utes, Cougars, Aggies, and all local and other local players return home home, all led by former NFL and college coach Dennis Erickson. Season tickets are as low as $75. Call 1-833-AAF-2019 or go to the SaltLakeStallions.com. Real football this spring in Utah. You know, BYU's in a BYU got invited to a bowl game. It was expected they would be uh, after ESPN has contracted them to be in a bowl, the Poinsettia Bowl, and then that went under. Uh, ESPN owed it to BYU to get them in a bowl. It looks like they were thinking about putting them in Dallas, but then uh, they thought we're going to sell a lot more tickets and the community is going to be better served if we have it close to BYU. In Boise, Idaho, where BYU fans, there's there's half a million uh, LD, members of the LDF Church in Idaho. BYU fans from Utah would go. So a decision was made that they would put BYU you in the uh, Great Potato, what is it called? Famous Idaho <laughs> the Potato famous, Bowl. The famous, famous Idaho, yes. Famous. Famous Potato Idaho Bowl, and they'll be playing Western Michigan. And Jeff Call, was this a surprise to you at all, or did it was a possibility as you did your research? Yeah, I mean, it was always a possibility, but uh, I was somewhat surprised because a lot of the projections were Dallas and some other places. But, you know, when you look at it, it's probably with the bowl game that BYU deserved after a 6-6 six and six season. Um, there were four other teams with 6-6 six and six records that got shut out of bowls, and I think BYU's in a place right now where they're just happy to be going to, to a bowl, especially coming off last year where they didn't have a bowl game at all. So uh, this is probably the right place for BYU. Jeff, I've been going to bowl games for 40 years. You've been going uh, to bowl games uh, for a couple of decades, and we've been away from our families at times during Christmas. I remember a lonely Christmas in Hawaii where I shared a room with uh, Kurt Craigthorpe uh, back in the days. Uh, and, and Christmas was a very lonely day, and we were away from our families in that. The, one of the positives of this bowl game is that you'll be back for Christmas. Things will be over. You'll be gone. You'll go down. You'll come back. I would think that the coaches and players would also maybe think that that's, that's part of your big plus also. Yeah, I mean, Kalani Sataki said as much yesterday. His wife is happy that uh, the bowl game is before Christmas. And uh, for us personally, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. I mean, I've spent – I think you were at the Motor City Bowl years ago. Oh, my goodness. Where we had to <laughs> – <laughs> we had to fly out Christmas night to Detroit and watch the bowl game the next day, and it wasn't a very good game anyway. But, um, yeah, that's that's to me is a positive. Um, you know, the Potato Bowl doesn't have a lot of cachet. I think we all know that. I mean, if the, the Rose Bowl is the granddaddy of them all, then the Potato Bowl is probably the uh, weird aunt with blue hair that brings, you know, funeral potatoes to every family gathering. I like so funeral it's, potatoes. Yeah, I do too. Well, but it's 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 just a it's you know it's not a bowl game that people tend to get excited about. And but the the truth of the matter is, uh, like you mentioned, Dick, a lot of people will be able to drive 
it's, it's close enough to drive for people in Utah, and there's a lot of uh, BYU fans in that uh, Boise area that can that can go to the game too. So that's one of those positives you got to draw from this. You know, Brandon Gurney, I, I'm sure has one take. I'll play Dale, just for the fun of it. I'll play devil's advocate. But Brandon Gurney, sell us on the potato bowl and your angle. Well, you guys put some good lipstick on on on, on this putrid bowl game. I, I mean, come on, guys. When you watch the bowl season and you see this bowl game, what's your thought? Why is this game being played? And man, do I feel bad for those two teams playing in this game. And 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 BYU getting invited to this bowl kind of follows what independence is. Yes, ESPN's going to give you a game. You're going to kick off at 8.15, right? Um, yes, you're going to a bowl game. You're going to play in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. It, it's just where BYU is at. And I understand BYU doesn't have a great resume. They're 6-6, six and six, right? But there's 10 other 6-6 six and six teams going to bowl games. And I guarantee you every single one of them is a better destination than, than what BYU's getting. But at. in Laramie, if you're thinking about this, you're not thinking that at all. You think you got cheated. You think that your conference has a contract with the, with yeah, the bowl to put you in. And you're setting home. And oh, you're Wyoming. Home. Stop it. <laughs> Wyoming 6-6. Six and six. Come on. But there are people, but there are people yeah, that say, you know, a bowl game's a bowl game and it's a reward. Yeah, but you're BYU, right? Shouldn't you have more cachet than and these other six and six teams? Game last year. That's true. That's true. But um, it's the worst case scenario. I, I, can you name me? A, a, I mean, investigate those those six and six uh, teams where they're going to bowl games. None of them are as bad as the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Well, Utah yeah. almost went to the Sun Bowl, and I've been to El Paso many, many times. I'd rather I, go to El Paso. I than don't Boise. know about that one, but. Uh, you know, I, here I am. I'm playing devil's advocate. But what if you're Zach Wilson? You're a lot of these freshmen. Gunnar Romney. You're a, you're a Zach Katoa. You're you're Brent Christensen. You're the MP, uh, the center, the. Uh, uh, you know, the corners, the young corners they have. They've never been to a bowl game before. Mm. Yeah, this isn't the ideal bowl game, but they've never been to a bowl. They've never been given that card to go into that room in the hotel and say, okay, you got $450 to spend on all these trinkets and stuff, uh, and you get all this stuff, and um, you're, you're, you're catered to. Yeah, Boise, but they've never done any of this. There's coaches, at least one coach that I know, that has never been to a Division One uh, bowl uh, situation in his life, and he he's, he's trying to, to turn this around and say, hey, let's make the most of it. Let's be positive. Well, let's go out and work hard and play and finish our season. Let's let's go out a winner. Let's get these extra practices. Let's progress. Let's let's be a team and go to that. But yeah, there's there's certainly the negative aspect of the label of potato bowl. But there's a lot of positives you can look at. Well, too. Bowl game is better than no bowl game, obviously. But but that's another argument. Where have these freshmen? Where have they been before? Boise, Idaho. We're going back. <laughs> it's just I, I mean, props for BYU for getting in a bowl game. It's fine, but it is the worst bowl game that they could have hoped. They're going back, but they'll know where Elmer's is, and they can go and eat there. They Your will. favorite place, absolutely. I'm, are they catering? Why wouldn't you want? Well, to Will they there be again? given the pregame meal? They might be a sponsor. Are. I don't know. Oh wow. Well, the bowl game is on tap. Uh, I think that the uh, date of the bowl game is good. I think the time of the kickoff at 2 o'clock in the afternoon is very good for our deadlines. Uh, You know, some people criticize and wonder why we're covering late games the way we are. But some of the reason we are, and my boss is sitting right here, is that we have to make a print deadline sometimes and file a story in the fourth quarter when the game's not over. It happened like that in the Utah game where we didn't know the outcome of that game, but yet we have to write a column and file it, and then somebody plugs in this score as soon as they go to print and those things are very hard to cover this 2 2 p.m kickoff is golden for writers and sports writers and broadcasters and other people that are away from their families Uh, jeff you know you know that you've done this many many times on deadline i think that's a positive 
Oh, yeah. I was really excited about uh, the kickoff time, no doubt about it. Um, the one question I have, too, is, uh, I mean, you saw that uh, Mountain West Championship game last Saturday on the blue turf, and you could barely see the blue turf because of all the snow. And so I wonder what kind of weather we're going to have and how that might impact the game. And uh, so, yeah, it's going to be just interesting to see what happens. Putting lipstick on things, Brandon Gurney, give me a grade on what I did in trying to put lipstick on that. Because I did. That was my role. Uh, yeah, you did, you did a fine <laughs> job, Dick. <laughs> I'm talking about Good putting job. lipstick. BYU basketball lose to Weber State. Oh, it's going to have to be some heavy lipstick. Dave Rose, for the first time in his coaching career, loses to Weber State. They allow 113 points. They play almost no defense. They're shooting 28% from the three-point line, which is about oh, 320 fifth or something in the country in three-point shootings. They're not looking very good. They can't get in front of people. They can't stop them. Doesn't seem to be much, uh, you know, uh, really energy and passion on that team right now. Maybe there's a lot of reasons for that, Jeff Call, but it's hard to figure out, and a lot of people are not happy. Yeah, you know, I was at that game up in Ogden the other night, and it it was really stunning just the way that BYU played, um, just not playing defense and giving up so many points. They gave up 66 second-half points. Uh, Weber State shot 65%, I think. Uh, the second half and you know one of the recurring themes of this season from the beginning one of the concerns has been the three-point shooting and it hasn't improved it BYU still struggling I'm beginning to wonder after watching that Weber State game if their confidence level which is clearly down in their shooting is kind of transferring over to their defense the way they play defense because it just seemed like they didn't have like you said that passion they didn't I mean defense is about you know, getting out there and making stops and having a desire and a will, and uh, it just didn't didn't happen. And and so this is a very critical time for BYU basketball. I mean, as of right now, as we sit here in early December, I mean, I don't see this BYU team making the NIT. I mean, and you look at the West Coast Conference, what they've done, other teams have done in the preseason. I mean, take Gonzaga out of it, which is ranked number one. LMU is undefeated. LMU, San Francisco, San Diego. There have been some very impressive performances by some of these other other teams in the, in the West Coast Conference. And I'm thinking, man, where's BYU going to fit in the WCC? Are they going to be toward the bottom? Are they going to be just in the middle? There, there are some real concerns. And I think this Utah State game Wednesday night um, where Nick Emery will make his season debut. But... There's a lot of unanswered questions. There's some things. This team is at a crossroads, and Dave Rosen needs to get this figured out quick. Brandon Gurney, they have, they've had access to three, four, five top 100 players by ESPN in the program over the last few years. They've had uh, players like Eric Mika get married and decide to go to Italy. They've had uh, uh, Isaiah Bryant get married, and he decided he didn't want college life anymore, and he's gone. You've got uh, T.J. Haas, one of the best high school players in the history of Utah, uh, get under the court. He got married uh, some time ago, and he's not playing like his old self. I don't know if marriage has anything to do but former players that did not have four and five star or ESPN 100 players on the roster did not have a, a multi-million dollar practice facility with a great locker room, uh, you know, uh, amenities and other things like they didn't have that. But yet they played with more passion than this. Trent Playstead, <clears throat> Brandon Gurney tweeted out the other day, I try to stay middle of the road about BYU sports, especially basketball, <clears throat> and keep it positive. I understand how hard it is to win, and I don't take it for granted. Giving up 113 points to Weber, however, is hard to stomach, and it makes me sad for all of the involved, the fans, the players, and the coaches. And they're going to be playing a Utah State team that is uh, not on the bubble right now, according to some of the rankings. They're in the NCAA tournament, by the way. They're playing in the, in the mid to high 30s, and BYU's team is probably in the 80s or 90s right now. They're not favored on their home court on Wednesday night. Um, what's the fr- truly frustrating thing about this team, and I always go back to this. I remember covering a game on, on 
New Year's Eve back in 2016. That's when all these guys were freshmen, and you thought it was really going to explode and get mark, mark, markedly better, right? And they overcame a huge deficit, rallied, and got over that hurdle of a slow start. And I thought, man, this team's going to take off. It hasn't at all. It reverts back over and over and over again. And the lack of sustained progression and improvement, I think, is the truly frustrating thing about this team. Where you have this young team, yeah, they do that stuff. But they're still doing this stuff. Even now, and and, and you touched on it, Mika leaving is huge. Elijah Bryant leaving is huge. But I come back to, I I think it's a big thing with independence and with WCC basketball is I wonder about the real motivation these players have to succeed at BYU. I, I just don't. I wonder about just the prospect of playing in the West Coast Conference at the venues they play in, really providing the motivation for these guys to really achieve what they can. I, I, I think you have to question that because you just see this over and over again, the cycle of just not meeting expectations, not consistently growing. I mean, 113 points to Weber. Wow, I, I mean that's it, it's a really frustrating thing to watch if you're a fan and, and even if you're a media guy because you're, you're trying to create a narrative for this team and you're just going back and back and back and, and wow, I, I can't remember BYU basketball being as low as it is right now in, in, in recent memory. Jeff Call on the heels of uh, uh, Dave Rose getting a contract extension in the shadow of his program being put on probation in the shadow of them being asked to vacate more than forty wins. Uh, they come out of the shoot like this. You go two ways. You blame coaches. You blame players. A lot of a lot of fans want to always blame coaches and not put the responsibility on players. But where where do you where do you see this happening? I mean, what is the breakdown here? What's the disconnect? Yeah, I'm not sure that I know that. I mean, obviously, you know, Dave Rose is the one responsible for what happens. I mean, he, that buck stops with him, and he's got to get it figured out. <clears throat> and I think uh, you know the players also bear responsibility obviously um i think it was clear that uh his his players were not performing the way that he wanted and didn't not the way they expected and so um how to get that changed i'm not sure um what's going to be really interesting is this new dynamic here you are nine games in the season now you're going to throw nick emery into the mix who's a real x factor are we going to see more of the freshman Nick Emery or the sophomore Nick Emery? What impact does he have on this team? He was one of their better defenders, you know, before yeah. he before he left school for a while. He was a very good defender. Yeah, he defender. was. That's true. And, uh, you know, can, the question, I guess, and we'll end it right here, can he be like the Utah Jazz is bringing in Kyle Korver? Can he have that kind of an impact on this team uh, as a three-point shooter immediately? Because that's what they need. Right now they're bleeding. They can't keep up with teams that hit threes, and they can't stand in front of somebody to stop somebody on a drive. And I, I question their chemistry and maybe their locker room and what's happening because they just don't seem to have a lot of fight in them. Yeah, there's there's something obviously going on behind the scenes. Um, and again, this whole dynamic of Nick Emery, I don't know how that's going to affect things, but my my sense is that uh, Nick will probably be eased into the rotation and they'll throw him in there and see what he can do, not put too much pressure on him. But uh, knowing Nick, I think he's the kind of guy that's going to want to come in and make an impact and, and uh, try to help turn things around. And I don't know if that's going to make things better or worse or what, but uh, I guess we'll find out a little bit on Wednesday. We're going to talk about a big story in the Deseret News that's coming out. And um, before we do that, Brandon Gurney, let, remind us a little bit about the Stallions, the Salt Lake Stallions. Yeah, we all love football and bowl season's coming, which means the end of football, but not necessarily. 
got the Salt Lake Stallions, uh, and it doesn't end. This February, it doesn't. The Salt Lake Stallions begin their inaugural season at home on February 23rd, all led by former NFL and college coach Dennis Erickson. You're going to see former players, BYU players. I, I, I believe Tooney Knooch is playing. Really good stuff. I, I mean, football. It's football. I mean, that's the selling point. Season tickets are as low as uh, $75. Call 1-833-AAF-2019 or go to saltlakestallions.com. Well, you know, the Deseret News, and I have to give them, uh, you know, my thanks and my gratitude. They uh, they enabled me to do something that I, I've I kind of always wanted to do the last two decades. I, I first started covering Ty Detmer when he was at Southwest High School in San Antonio. Um, he committed to BYU after his junior year. He was named the Player of the Year, the High School Player of the Year in Texas. And I followed him intently since then. Interesting person, maybe one of the more popular players that BYU's ever had. Too bad it didn't work out as offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for BYU. You, but it's been a year since then. The Deseret News uh, management enabled uh, me to go and spend time with him in November, right towards the end, at his ranch, the T-14 hunting ranch in, uh, just outside Fryer, Texas. Um, my observations uh, you know, about that lifestyle, about what he's doing, uh, going with him up in a blind, uh, seeing hunters have success, that's all captured in a uh, almost a 5,000-word story that's going to run Wednesday. You can uh, see it online at 6 a.m., and it's going to be in print. But uh, the, the, the great takeaways that, you know, Ty Detmer is really a unique human being. His humility is unamazing. Uh, his skill level at playing football is documented, documented, but the way that he treats people, the way he hosts people, the investment that he's made in 1,300 acres of fenced property in Texas, which is kind of a country, kind of like the Serengeti in Africa. He has exotic animals on there, and he has people come from all over the country, if not the world, to come there to pay him a couple of grand to shoot some of his big bucks. We take that all in in a Deseret News story that'll be with us on Wednesday. We hope you'll pick it up and read it. I think it'll be a good read for you. Um, Next, gentlemen, we're going to talk about BYU volleyball. If there's one thing going right in the world of BYU sports, it yes. is these women. A ray of sunshine. Women. They're fantastic. How fantastic? Oh, they, well, they're the number four team in the country as based on the on the seating going in. And they proved to look like the number four team a lot. There's been a lot of question marks because BYU ran through the season, won 27 straight matches, 21 of them in straight sets. I, I mean, just imagine that. There's one match BYU's played this whole year that went five sets, <laughs> which is just – and they played really good teams. They beat the number one team in the country, Stanford, and then it just blows up because their second-best outside hitter, McKenna Miller, gets hurt. And people are wondering about this team. They get swept the final match of the year, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, how, how serious is this injury? Is it really that bad? I maintained you can overcome an injury like this, and and it's volleyball. Matches go back and forth. It, 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 it's, it's a sport where, where – just one night, you just don't have it, right? And LMU won its first-round NCAA volleyball match. So they're it's not, not a bad team. Yeah, they're, they're not a team. bad team at all. But the only validation you need is watching what BYU did against Utah. Utah was a red-hot team coming into the and NCAA tournament. Yeah, so they were beating very good Pac-12 opponents. Uh, finished the year with five straight wins. A very, very good team. They got Danny Drews from Brighton High School, who's just fantastic. And BYU annihilated <laughs> them. I, I mean, it, it wasn't even close. And what BYU has is a lot of depth. I mean, McKenna Miller, which is a significant loss. I don't want to downplay that 
uh, too much. But BYU is still really good. They have some really, really good talent, and they're strong at every position. They have Ronnie Jones Perry, who's the front liner, but they also have a libero. Uh, for people that don't follow volleyball, a libero is that little short girl who's just on the ground the whole time bumping the ball that you kind of overlook. A very, very essential component of any good volleyball team is having a quality libero, and BYU's got one of the best in the country, Mary Lake. Who's playing for Miller then? Who's stepped in and made plays? Who you know? Obviously, you can't lose a talent like McKenna Miller and just go along and not have it affect you. But in some ways, it's not making a huge impact. She's missed, but yeah. somebody's stepping up. Who is it? A Maddie Robinson is the direct replacement at opposite hitter. You talk fre- to any girl? Yeah, a freshman. She, she, she's she played really well. But I think what's uh, what's really stepping to the forefront more than anything is the middle block. BYU has two middle blockers. Heather Knighting, another freshman, a local girl, um, who's just been phenomenal. She had a phenomenal match. If you look at the one big advantage BYU had against Utah, it was middle block. Utah just had no answer for Heather Knighting and Kennedy Eschenberg, who who just played outstanding. It's going to be a whole different match against Florida because Florida has a lot of size and athleticism. And I think BYU is going to be really tested on on, on Friday night. But nothing that I saw Friday night dissuades me from believing that BYU still has the ability to go to the Final Four. They they looked outstanding. Jeff Call, I know that you don't cover volleyball as a sport, but uh, this is a sport that did dominate Utah this year, and I guess that's a plus in in the column if you're looking at the competition and rivals in state. They they are the they are they are top drawer. Yeah, it's been uh, like you said. I don't cover volleyball, but I have had a chance to watch them a few times, and and they're impressive. I mean, the uh, the team that they have, and the way the consistency, and the way they've been able to dominate opponents, and and uh, you know, I I fully expect them to to go to the final four, and who knows, maybe win the national championship. I think they're they're that good, and uh, be fun to see. That would be something huge for BYU to you know to get to the final four, or maybe even win a national championship. In our final segment, gentlemen, we're going to talk about recruiting, and this week uh, there's an opportunity to see three BYU basketball recruits. Uh, a couple of them have signed already. Uh, Wasatch Academy's De Silva from Brazil and a kid from China, Lee. Uh, I can't pronounce his first name, but he's going to be playing for Jeff Reinert's team from California. They're coming in. The Great West Shootout. Tell us about that, Brandon Gurney. I think you've been involved with that, uh, with Golden Holt. Yeah, I've covered it most years. And, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic event. You get some really high-quality players here. Plus, you get the best uh, teams from Utah, by and large. You get Lone Peak there every year. Orms obviously ha- has really good talent. The talent in the state hasn't been what it was when I first started with the Desert News, but there's still some really good talent. You can see, I, I believe Tempe is going to be there. You can see BYU signing uh, Nate Hansen play. And, and, yeah, it's a fun event. I always like covering it. You know, football recruiting, uh, Jacob Conover from, I think, Chandler High School in Arizona, he ends up being one of the most productive and winningest quarterbacks of all time in that state, which is a, a state that gave you Max Hall, uh, have given you a, a, a number of tremendous quarterbacks that have gone on to be successful in the NFL. But he's done something that no one else has, Brandon Gurney, and that's, I think, take his team to the state championship, what, three or four times as a, as a starter. A really good land for BYU. What well, we talked about it back when he committed, BYU needed a, a headliner commit, and, and it was Jacob Conover, um, a guy that had multiple offers and all that. I hesitate just pronouncing him the next great thing because whenever you do that to a football recruit, particularly those that have have mission plans, it doesn't always pan out. But just the optics of a kid like that and what he's doing and had a very successful senior year, very good stuff for BYU football. Any other recruits uh, and, and stories that have kind of broken over the last 10 days or since we had our last podcast of interest in recruiting? Well, what's interesting is there's not a lot of offers that have been made public, but you have a lot of walk-on options. And fans are like, oh, 
Michelle Hawkins. Come on. We, we don't care about that. They just extended one to Braden Whistler from Bingham, who was just a fantastic football player. Maybe he, another Brenton Covey. Uh, he's, Maybe. I, I hate to compare anyone to Brenton Covey just because Brenton was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, probably the best. I, I don't want to say the best high school player, but it's certainly out there. But Whistler, I, I, it's not outrageous to, to compare him to Brenton Covey. A lot of the same skills. Uh, he, he was named the offensive MVP in BYU's football camp during, was it yeah. last summer? Mm-hmm. I'm a very good skill set. Uh, shockingly short. <laughs> if, if, if you stand right by him, shockingly short. But man, Bingham really missed that kid this year. A kid who's versatile, very hard-nosed player. I, the, the difference between Whistler and Covey is Whistler can really run between the tackles and be physical with people. Where, where Brent Covey is all on the edges and all that. Um, probably not as fast as Brent Covey, not as shifty, but I, but I think just his physical nature. I I kind of like him as a defensive guy if he wasn't so sure, but but I just think as a potential slot receiver, I really like the kid. Well, we've seen what they've done with Oliva Hifo, and if they start running that jet sweep, he could fit into that. But he's got preferred walk-on status at BYU and at the University of Utah. Do we know where he's he's leaning one way or the other, where he wants to go, or what's the story on him? I, I've heard that he's a kind of a Utah guy. I could be wrong on that. I, I, I do know that BYU is an option for him. He likes BYU. Um, from what I was told, uh, yeah, Utah might be the, the destination for him, but we'll see on that. They also made an offer to a, a running back at San Francisco Community College. You can see that on the internet and his highlights, and they're pretty impressive. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but um, they made an offer to him over the weekend. They need to get a junior college running back. They absolutely you, do. you got to have that. Absent Ula Tolatau coming back, which I've heard is actually a, a possibility, mm-hmm. which kind of surprises me. But, man, if he can get back and do it, great, great on him, great on the program. But absent that, even if they do get him in, you look at the attrition way you experienced a running back. Get as many as you can in this program. Holy cow. Matthew Hatley injured for the bowl game, out with a broken leg. Uh, Katoa questionable. Jeff Call, we'll have to see on that one. Hey, just a reminder, this podcast brought to you by the Salt Lake Stallions. Get tick information at saltlakestallions.com. Final word, gentlemen. Um, just something that stands out in your mind. Final statement, Jeff Call. Um, you know, I think when Bronco Menahal is coach, I think we during the bowl um season. BYU didn't use all the allotted bowl practices and that was a you know a criticism of him that people had. Um, Kalani from what he said yesterday he's going to he's going to take every advantage of all 15 practices. He said they're practicing 6 days this week and 6 days next week and then bowl week they'll obviously use those. So they're, they're going to use all 15. I think that's you know that's one of those positives of this of this bowl situation to have those extra reps and practices. Um, it's like like Kalani said is like another uh, spring ball kind of one that's uh, just over a short period of time but it, those are very valuable for the future. Brandon Gurney, final word. I've talked a lot about consistency and lack of consistency with the basketball program. Kalani's been very outspoken about it this year with the football program. That's what you want to see come this bowl game. You want to see that progression. They took a step against University of Utah. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, they ended up taking a loss. But being able to go and just pound Utah for for, for three quarters, I think was pretty significant with, with an upward trend of BYU football. And you want to see that continue. Very young team. There's every reason to expect this team 
team to put forth its best game yet in the bowl game because it is a very young team. My final word is Zach Wilson. Um, very impressed with him against Utah in the first half. Uh, they kind of went conservative in the second half. That wasn't his fault. I think he got to credit Utah for coming on with their depth and playing and getting after him. But Zach Wilson's development in the second half of the season has been impressive. You can look at it statistically. You can break down his pass efficiency, that, and it's gone up. You can see his completion percentage has gone up. You've seen his effectiveness. You can see his arm strength. You can see the fundamental soundness that he has. I think it's very important that he be involved in football in the month of December and playing in a bowl game. It's going to be big-time help for him coming next year when they start off against the University of Utah. Well, that's it for us today. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Cougar Insider Podcast. We'd love to hear from you through email at cougarinsiders at deseretnews.com. And please subscribe or download our podcast wherever you can find it. We're working to deliver you the most up-to-date information on BYU Sports. We'd love to have you join us in the newspaper, on the Internet, and on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you.